This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your smartphone, tablet, or desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. How we doing, Trip? Ready when you are. Prepare for warp. Course laid in, sir. Request permission to get underway. Welcome, boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated enterprise show. I'm your host, Floyd Dorsey, and I'm joined in the conference room by a regular guest and Warp 5 second shift host, Brandon Shamatala. Hey, Brandon, you gave me the command codes back, but for some reason, I'm only able to get in certain areas. Are you sure you gave me back the right codes? Uh, well, part of the ship is now under my control. Uh-oh. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to put up with me for a little longer. Uh, I, I I think I'm the co-captain now. Do I I have the command codes for certain aspects, and you have the com- codes for like other aspects, or is this like a like how are we gonna how are we gonna do this? Well, I think the command codes that I gave you are for the lavatory. Oh, thanks. And so, photon torpedoes, right? Yes, uh, and okay. the photon torpedoes. Yeah, you can have those okay. too. Okay, very but, good. Uh, very you, good. You need to you need to clean the lavatories. Uh, you know, it's it's a mess oh, in there. So it's not just it's not really command codes. It's more like access codes. Yeah, nothing. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's that's not really what I had in mind when you know you said that you were going to take over that shift and let me go run that mission that we're not going to talk about. Well, I put everybody under, and I don't I don't know if you heard or not on the last episode, but you know I took some advice from Doctor Flox there when he was in charge, and I was like walking around the ship naked for a while. <laughs> oh man. You and Porthos? Yes. <laughs> yes. Nice. All right. Well, yeah, Boomers, uh, joining Brandon and I is friend of the network and overall Trek expert, John Tenuto. Welcome back aboard, John. Hey, thanks, guys. Hey, I, I missed you last time. I was on this mission that we can't talk about for some section that we're not supposed to speak about. And you and Brandon, you really just knocked it out with the enemy mine and the dawn comparison. That was great. Thanks. Yeah. I got really excited. We, I live in um, Illinois and there's a, a little, uh, well, not little, it's, it's a nice, uh, a medium sized show, uh, a Hollywood collectible show. They have a huge one out in LA, but they do a smaller one here. And, uh, they, they just announced some of the guests and one of them's Louis Gossett Jr. And I was like, Hey, all right. yes. that's great. That's <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, I would bring a copy of the, the podcast with me and say hey look we just talked about you yes that'd be awesome <laughs> yes 
Yeah. <laughs> so for this episode, boomers, we're going to be talking about a very fun aspect of Star Trek fandom. We're going to be talking about toys. And I am so glad that I have John and Brandon here with me because I have to admit, I am a noob when it comes to toys. Like I, the Star Trek toys, I have no clue anything about it. So some of you are like, well, I don't know anything about toys. Well, hey, you and me are in the same boat here. I'm going to try to ask the questions that you need to hear. And then those of you that are very experienced, let's talk about that in the Babel conference when this show drops. So just given my experience, it's extremely limited. Like I grew up watching the original Shatner, Nimoy, Spock, Star Trek. And it was during the early seventies, mid seventies, late seventies reruns at times. Well, there's this little thing they hit. It was called Star Wars. And I had Star Wars figures given to me at, at Christmas time and just birthdays and just around, but I was never given Star Trek figures. So my experience was I used to pretend that my Star Wars figures were Star Trek figures. <laughs> and that was kind of my thing, you know? So, but here recently, actually, and in June, July, I actually bought the 30th anniversary, um, Playmates uh, original series figures uh, off of eBay for a really, really good price because my son actually asked, hey, we've got these Star Wars figures. What about Star Trek? So I actually bought that. And for all of you collectors out there, I totally ripped that box open as soon as it got here. We, we've been playing with them. <laughs> so <laughs> I, hear, I hear a lot of screeching of the records. But yeah, we totally played with those things. And that's been my experience with Star Trek toys. So I'm really interested to hear Brandon and John and what, what John actually has to share with us here. So Brandon, what is, what's been your early experience or your earliest experience with Star Trek toys, or maybe just your overall experience? Well, I actually didn't have a lot of toys myself when I was a kid uh, for Star Trek toys, but I did have some Star Wars ones. And I got to say, I'm disappointed because we sold them at a garage sale. I had a Millennium Falcon and I had like a couple other really cool things. Like what's that? The ice speeder from Hoth, All like right. the, the one that they flew around in. I had that as well. That kind of looked like, like a flying squirrel. <laughs> but uh, I had those and I ended up selling them at a garage sale. And I bet you they would have been worth a fortune now because that was those were like original run toys. You know, so yeah. for so now what I have for toys, like I collect the the Star Trek starships from Eagle Moss, okay, and uh, I bought off of uh, used Regina, uh, the city I'm in is Regina, um, a full collection of the first wave of the Deep Space Nine action figures, uh, okay. and they're all still in the box, so I have those hanging on my wall right now. So now I'm too old to play with the toys, and I have my toys are hanging on the walls, right. So, John, what was what was your earliest uh, Star Trek toy experience that you can recall? Well, I kind of come into Star Trek backwards in a way from from the toys uh, into the show. I mean, I, I was um, about 1975, uh, you know, as a little kid and, and um, uh, you know, I was aware of Star Trek. But my mom had gone to something called Montgomery Ward's Bargain Basement, which was a kind of... Um, precursor to, you know, outlet stores for Montgomery Wards where they would have all their, you know, uh, holdover items. And I, I, you know, I had been a fan of Planet of the Apes and um, I had had those toys and uh, Star Wars wasn't out yet, but, uh, you know, would, would, would join that world too. But uh, I think my mom, because my mom thought that I like science fiction, which I, I did, um, for Christmas, they bought me the Mego bridge and the 
the um, you know four of the figures and uh, from the Mego line and uh, that playing with that that day got me very very interested in Star Trek and um, from there I started to explore the show so for me the toys were kind of my one of the big ways that I was inspired to really get into that world and, and since then I haven't stopped I, I you know that I still collect I collect as much as I can with all kinds of uh, the toys and then it's become a family hobby so my son and my wife we, we all are involved in that and we you know it's one of the fun things going to conventions is hitting up the dealer's room and seeing you know if I can find one or two I only need like four of the playmates toys that that are in the line uh, and uh, you know I like to have holes in the collection because I like to have something to look for you know look for uh, so you know I'm hopeful that there'll be discovery toys I'm sure there will be and and um, so you know for me it's it's just been a uh you know really a lifelong fascination and love with them and then we we spent our time you know we shifted into looking at it a little bit more uh academically and and uh you know uh, taking a look at the history of it and the meaning of it and so uh it's it's been something that's moved into just my teaching too you actually have done a full what do you what do you call it when you when you do a presentation at the library just a presentation yeah, I mean, we, we do, um, you know, especially for creation entertainment, uh, but also for local libraries, um, we do presentations on a lot of different uh, topics, everything from the Amish to, you know, presidents and you know, just anything really and uh, that we're that we research but uh, most of what we do is in either in the world of Star Wars or, or I would say 70 percent in, in the world of Star Trek and we do everything from uh, making of the show really a lot of our, our goal is to try to get people to, to to well to really to share with fellow fans um, the contributions of the behind-the-scenes artists, the, the 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 really extraordinary but talented people who, you know, their names are in the credits maybe, but you know how much you know Star Trek. Luckily, people pay a lot of attention to behind-the-scenes people, but uh, you know the sort of the general fan or the casual fan may not be as familiar with the work of you know people like Doug Drexler or you know just Gary Hutzel or anybody like that. And so you know we love to share uh, you know what these amazing artists did, but but we also have a series of talks, um, the one for each of the shows, uh, and and then also. Um, one that's based on the movies and we, we look at the history of the toy lines and you know everything from how the toys were used in certain episodes to just fun facts about the toys maybe even highlighting some of the people uh, who design the toys and their contributions to Star Trek that way and sometimes how the toys wind up even influencing uh, you know fans perceptions of things or or you know uh, it becomes a way for us to at least have a model of something that only existed by name or uh, you know, um, we like for example for Enterprise, there's a model kit of the refit NX01, um, and uh, you know done with Doug Drexler's supervision and all of that. And so, I mean, it's it's sort of a way for uh, Star Trek to kind of continue past when the show is on too. So we look at all those kinds of issues. So it's a lot of fun, and we got a lot of exclusive pictures and and, and behind-the-scene images of the making the toys, and we like to share that with people. Just kind of set up some context for us, you know, like early toys, working our way up to Enterprise. Uh, you had mentioned, I, I think you mentioned Mego. Is that the earliest, like, action figures? What's interesting is Star Trek, uh, as soon as Star Trek was on TV, there were toys. 
And uh, MIGO comes in, in around 19, uh, in 1974, 1975, uh, depends on what region of the country you were in. But uh, the very first company to really make Star Trek toys was a toy company named Remco. Uh, and that was way back in 1967. So they, these toys were out while the show was on. Um, they weren't really faithful to the show. Basically, what they did was they took a lot of their old toys and slapped the word Star Trek on the box and put the word Astro in front of it. So you got like the you got like the Star Trek Astro Copter and the Star Trek Astro Cruiser and the Star Trek Astro Tank and I mean all these toys that didn't, you know never existed in the show. Um, and uh, uh, you know they were sort of the first toy line, but they were a big toy company. Uh, they would eventually be bought out um, in 1974 by a company named Azrak Hamway. And uh, Azrak Hamway was really famous for uh, peg toys. You know, you you go into grocery stores or whatever, and they were there for $9.99, $0.50, cents, and you got a little cheap plastic toy. But they they wanted the Star Trek license, and they kind of got it through Remco's possession of it and so they they released what's considered to be the very first genuine star trek action figures which were believe it or not uh if you can imagine this a parachuting kirk and spock so they were kirk and spock and they think that you'd throw it up in the air and this plastic parachute would come out and so you know it's silly now but i think they traveled through time and they watched star trek 2009 and saw that there would be a parachuting kirk. i was about to say that's a little before it's time right <laughs> I remember that episode. That was the episode when they went to Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> the, the, the time travel episode. And uh, so those were the sort of the two uh, companies. What The line that in a way uh, I think is really very important because it speaks to kind of Star Trek coming back in the mainstream um, was the Mego line. So uh, Mego was a company that uh, was founded in 1954 by uh D. David Abrams and his wife Madeline Abrams, and they were they were like Azrak Hamway. They were a rack toy company, really, when they started. But in the '70s, their son Marty t- sort of took over the company, and he changed the concept of what the company was, and he made it a co- a, a licensed kind of action figure company. So they did the world's greatest superheroes. They did a lot of sort of sci-fi superhero kind of properties. And then the fact that they wanted Star Trek said something. So this is, you know, 1974, 75 Star Trek is on TV. It's in some markets beating first run TV shows. Um, You know, it's kind of gone mainstream. You have shows like Sanford and Son are mentioning Star Trek, you know, um, Saturday Night Live is mentioning Star Trek and um, the conventions have kind of become what they what they were and uh so for five thousand dollars they get the license to star trek and they sold uh 12 million toys in 19 so 12 million action figures in uh 1975 and 16 million worth in 76 oh man so uh that that really was sort of the big big toy company now they mego was offered star wars and said no uh, and, uh, unfortunately then went bankrupt because Star Wars became the big hot property for Kenner. And, uh, so then the Star Trek would wind up going to various toy lines, uh, throughout, um, you know, through the seventies. Now they did, Mego did do a, do the action figures for Star Trek, the motion picture, but that would really be the last one. Uh, Wrath of Khan didn't have action figures initially. That wouldn't come for 25 years really that you got a, a whole line there were a few playmates ones 
in the 90s from Wrath of Khan, but really a, an expansive line waited until 25 years later when Diamond Select Toys had the line. And then they did everybody. They did Terrell, you know, um, Khan, everyone. And um, But you had different companies, Galoob, um, uh, did the license uh, for a while in, in the mid-'80s. Um, you know, you had Ertl did action figures for Star Trek Three. You know, there were no Star Trek Four. One of the weird things about Star Trek toy lines is um, you get something like Star Trek The Motion Picture, which was massively um, merchandised, but they, it didn't sell well. So Two, which was exceptionally popular, didn't get a whole lot of merchandise. But then Three gets action figures, but those don't sell well. So it's sort of like this, you know, the two, four, and six never got figures, you know, until later, much later. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, but I think that the, in a way, what, in a way it was the, the, the line that's the most prolific line was Playmates Toys. Playmates Toys had the license from 92 all the way till 2000. And then again, they had it in 2009 for the J.J. Abrams movies. And in that time period, they produced 367 four-inch figures. They produced 31 six-inch figures. They had 89 nine-inch figures. They had 31 12-inch figures, in addition to play sets, role-playing toys, ships. And you know, the amazing thing about their line, not to knock the Star Wars line, because I like it, but in the Star Wars line, you do get Luke Skywalker sort of in the same costume a hundred times. The sculpts are better. They, they they change things around a little bit. They improve it, but it's it's him in the same costume a hundred times. Um, and then they do them in other costumes too. The the 367 Playmates toys were almost always unique costumes. So there there are like you know 12 different dwarfs, you know, and they're really different. So that was a really fun and important line. Uh, that lasted a, a long time. It was kind of done in by the changing of the market. Um, stores started to want to have exclusives. Fans don't really, I mean, I, I think the industry thinks fans like exclusives, but for completists, we don't like exclusives. Because if you want to get the whole line and you can't get that exclusive, it actually encourages you to stop collecting the line if you're a completist. And that's really what happened in a way with Playmates Toys. They had this, they were producing in some, some runs, a hundred thousand copies of like characters like Picard and they were selling. Well, they decided to come out with something called the 1701 line, which is always cute. Retailers always want to do 1701 or they make the price $17 and one cent. And that's real cute. Except when you have a hundred thousand people who want to figure and you're only releasing 1701 of that figure, you're disappointing a lot of completists. And that that was a bit of a mistake. They tried to fix that problem by releasing those same figures in a boxed set that wasn't limited. But by then, it, it, it I mean, there are other factors, of course, too, the changing world of electronics and toys and all that. But um, unfortunately, they lost their license or they, they decided not to go on with their license. And I should say, and um, it was picked up with the current licensee, one of the current licensees, which is originally a company called Art Asylum and Di now Diamond Select Toys to purchased Art Asylum. And they're the ones that, that, that uh, are kind of doing figures now. There's also other companies that are doing action figures um, as well and toys. So you get kind of this kind of a very fast history there, uh, maybe not so fast <laughs> history of Star Trek toys. Well, I've got to say, given my limited experience 
and just knowledge of it. When I see the Art Asylum or and the Diamond Select, that's those seem to be more detailed. Like they seem to be a little higher quality. Is that true or is that just well? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what it is. It's a change of well. There's a change in technology, um, and in terms of figures can look better because they can sculpt at a at a smaller scale. Um, but the Diamond Select toy line is really, I mean, you can play with them for sure, but they're not made for kids' hands, right? The the Playmates lines were made for kids' hands. That's what the genius was of the Star Wars line, right? You take enormous toys like GI Joe, Six Million Dollar Man. Uh, and you shrink them down to kid size, hand size toys, mm-hmm. and that was brilliant. Uh, it also allowed for ships and 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 play sets to be smaller, fit on the store shelves. I mean, it, it was just genius, and that really radically transformed the whole toy industry. And so, you when kids when toys are made for kids, they tend to be smaller like that, three and a quarter inch, four inch. And but the Diamond Select toy line is really more for uh, collectors. Um, the figures are heavier. Their sculpts are beautiful. Um, some of the, the Enterprise sculpts are just amazing. I mean, that, I mean, you, you, if, if you could animate uh, Scott Bakula's action figure, you would think it was Scott Bakula. It was amazing. And um, uh, so they, it, it, it is a different kind of line. They're also bigger. They're, they're generally around seven inches, and uh, they come with more. Uh, you know, accessories, and they're really just really designed more for to, to sit on your desk or to be displayed. Um, of course, you can play with them, but they're not really as kid friendly, you know, for that reason. In fact, some of some of them don't even move. I mean, they have they're they've been releasing kind of lately uh, almost statues. They're beautiful though, uh, and some neat ones. They did Troy and her kind of like cheerleader scant uh, outfit uh from the first season of from the first episode really of next generation so they, they, they that's also a very diverse line i mean the, the art asylum uh the line has done almost 200 figures i mean it's it's it, it's been a lot so they're they're a very popular uh line as well diamond select and artist so enterprise action figures by art asylum diamond select I saw those like you don't really see those like at Walmart or Target or somewhere like that. Those are more like at game stores or at record company or record stores. I I think the first ones that I saw were like at a Hastings, you know, it's got like records and games and uh, video games and things like that. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, a a niche uh, collectors sort of thing. And I saw those and I, boy, I really wanted to maybe get those because they each came with a piece of the bridge they, you know, like Bacula's or, or Archer came with this, the chair and then, uh, uh, you know, they, they each had their own uh, piece of the bridge that was their station. You know, I guess you could put it all together. And yeah, they had they, they, Art, Art Asylum, which was the initial uh, company. Uh, they they produced their first Enterprise line. It was a broken bow line, um, you know, Enterprise premieres in September uh, 26th, 2001, I think it is. And then, um, so the following autumn, we kind of get our first, takes about a year, but the first figures start showing up and you get, um, they had Jonathan Archer to Paul Mayweather, uh, Reed, Silic and Clang were the original f- figures there. 
they also did an away team line, a second line. Now that first line was in toy stores, but it didn't sell really well. And that's why they all moved to these sort of specialty stores. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Suncoast and stores like that, you know, that were around back then. And then they did an away team line where they were in their environmental suits. And that's the only way you can get a Hoshi. Uh, Hoshi was only released in her environmental suit. And Tucker was only released in his environmental suit in that line, but there was an exclusive to News Force Comics that has him in his regular outfit. So you, you can get him, but it wasn't part of sort of the normal line. It was part of like a 6,000 figure limited um, edition for things like New Force. And there, you know, there were different, uh, there was a Save Enterprise one, if you remember the Save Enterprise campaign, uh, you know, that were signed by Connor Trenier uh, to try to save Enterprise and all that. So, I mean, they, they, I think uh, Gear for Games, in Aust Australian companies, the Vegas, uh, different locations had like this exclusive version of Charles Tucker and um, they were going to produce a Hoshi uh, and, and flocks and regular outfits, but they never did because uh, the line kind of petered out after that, but they did do uh, three deluxe figures, which is what um, Floyd was talking about with the, with the, um, uh, where you got the character and a piece of the bridge and a uh, <laughs> very, uh, uh, frustratingly, the fourth and final piece, which was Travis, was never made. And so you, we all looked at our incomplete bridge and, and tear up. <laughs> Let me look at it. But it was really cool because they were electronic. Uh, so they made sounds. They were incredibly faithful. Yes. If you take a if, yeah, if you take a picture of the of Herman Zimmerman's real set designs of the com panels, and then you compare it to, I mean, they got they put the buttons in the right spot. I mean, they were it was a beautiful, beautiful um, set, and uh, they had Archer, Reed, and Paul, and then you were going to get uh, Travis. And um, they only did the prototype. There were some prototypes and a couple of uh, uh, figures made, and but they they never released them. And, uh, but that was sort of the, the, the big action figure line was, uh, Art Asylum. And they also did a incredibly beautiful, so beautiful. They just re-released it. Diamond Select Toys just redid it. Um, just amazing little enterprise, uh, an X01 toy ship and it had electronics. It was beautiful and it lit up. It was, it was really one of the, the finest, um, I mean, not only is Doug Drexler's design great, but I mean, it was just a great. It was a great toy, um, and they did um, really neat kind of um, uh, play, you know, role-playing sets. They had a phaser and a, and a communicator, and the phaser was cool because it opened up like on the show, and you had to pull the thing in and out to, you know, to to, to repower it up. It was really a well-done um, line. It just didn't sell, uh, unfortunately. Uh, by that time, toys and uh, in that regard, especially with Star Trek, they weren't doing as well. Going back to that one with the bridge, so about what time frame was that that they were creating that, and why do you think it was that they never finished with Travis to finish that set? Well, they, they released those um, in November of 2002 is when they started releasing the, the deluxe figures, they called them, and that went all the way through the winter uh, period. Uh, really, by by January uh, 2002, um, uh uh, I'm sorry, by, by like summer 2000, late, late 2002, that 
they the line was just it, it, they realized the line was not working and they kind of let the line go so it they it was really a cost thing you know they they didn't sell anywhere near the figures they had intended to sell and um, despite the fact that some of these figures, I mean, Shran is great. Uh, the Nausicaan captain, they did a Nausicaan captain from the episode Fortunate Son. And it's so good. I mean, the sculpt is amazing. And really, the figures really look like them. I mean, it's, it, it was an exceptionally well done line. Um, and the, 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 the company, Art Asylum, the company, it was started by uh, a woman named Donna Saldano and a, and a guy named Digger Mesh. And it was they were really, I mean, they were artists and they were, they were the first, they were one of the first companies to really start using digital scanning. So they were based on the scans of the care, the actors and they just, you know, it was a great line, yeah, but it just didn't sell well enough. I've looked at them. Like I didn't buy one and I was, I was like, mm, I really want to buy one. And I'm telling my little boys, you know, they were, they were little and I'm like, Hey, you got, you want one, you want a Star Trek toy? And they, no, 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 no. And then finally, my youngest son said, hey, you know, these these Star Wars figures are awesome. Do they have Star Trek toys? Then I can't find them, you know. <laughs> but I picked I pick those up, the ones that you're talking about, the special deluxe, and looked at them and, like, really looked at them in the store. Those are so real looking. I mean, they look so real. They look like, like you said, like an animated version of Scott Bakula or an animated version of any of the characters. They were so detailed. They're, they were so good that like their, their phase pistol that they made was, was so faithful to the original that they actually used the phase pistol in episodes. So if, if uh, fellow fans are familiar with the episode United, where you had sort of the Romulan drone ship, you know, and, and you have uh, uh, Malcolm and, and Trip are stuck on the, this, this drone ship that's uh, being remotely controlled by Admiral uh, Valdor. They, th- th- there's a sequence where they kind of like trick him, read tricks him by blowing up, you know, uh, uh, his phaser, his phase pistol, I should say. And, uh, you know, those, the, 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 the props, the hero props were $2,500 each, right? So they're not going to blow up a $2,500 prop, you know, <laughs> uh, especially on a show that at that time they were really limited in their budget, you know, because they were, they were struggling a bit and they were, you know, so, um, uh, they used the art asylum. They called it Trek tech, uh, phase pistol. To so when you see uh, him putting it down, they do a close-up shot of it. That's the toy. Now they repainted it a little bit, you know, and souped it up a little bit, but it's the toy. And so they, I mean, everything, the 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 play sets, the the action figures, everything was really faithful in that line, and it really deserved kind of a better fate than what it got. It would have been great had they been able to go on and continue to do. You know, to get an Eric Soong figure or something. I mean, it just it would have been really great if they had been able to go on with that. Or you get the uh, the Klingon with the ridges, and then they've got like a special something where the ridges like flatten out, right? Gets the, yeah, swap his head out. You know, do like yeah. a swap or the, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. So how do we how do we get the right licenses to make these toys, John? How do we? Well, yeah. we need money. Uh, we need money. Uh, first <laughs> and uh, you know uh, Star Trek is is such a uh, uh, you know important property um, they're very uh, you know it's not like you know in, if you go back if, if somebody owned a property you know the toys were just sort of the side thing 
you know, and, and they, there wasn't as much concern about it. But, uh, you know, at CBS and Paramount, they're, particularly CBS, they're, they're, which is really the ones that license out Star Trek, um, they're very concerned that the products are, are high quality, that, that they represent the, the fans well, that they're not knockoffs, that they're not cheap looking. I mean, you know, all of that. So, you know, part of the problem is with, with licensees is, is not only do you have to obviously have to pay for the license, but you have to be able to make a quality product and, and really great action figures. And now the nice thing about Enterprise is, is that that wasn't the only line. And that wasn't the only toy, and we're still getting stuff. You know that that, and I think it's a a good example of why you know, as, as particularly as Enterprise really gets rediscovered on Netflix and on uh, you know kind of streaming services and CBS All Access and all that, because um, that show was it, it was in a way it was it was I hate the word binge watching because that's just I mean it's kind of a weird phrase, but um, uh, that's an illness. But but uh, you know when when people sit down and they watch shows. All in a row. I don't know how she's saying, but um, Enterprise was almost made for that, you know, particularly when it hits its third and fourth year, and so it it, it's, it feels like it belongs in today's world, and and so it's this, it's you know, you're get, we're getting new fans. So the nice thing is that there's still items that are coming out, um, you know, uh, and there were other companies even back then. So Hallmark did did you know. Uh, you know, Hallmark has had one of the longest relationship licenses relationships with Star Trek. They started producing Star Trek Christmas ornaments in 1991, paving the way for Star Wars ornaments and kind of really the pop culture world of ornaments. Uh, they, the, the Enterprise that they released in 1991, they weren't sure whether people wanted Star Trek Christmas ornaments. So that ornament still today goes for three, four, or five hundred dollars because they only produced so few of them, and they sold out some some stores within hours, all stores within days. Wow. And it was really, really, so they, they've done more than 70 ornaments. Um, and again, some of those are featured in shows. So if you, if you're a fan of Voyager and you watch, um, the episode prophecy where you had, uh, uh, uh them sort of building, uh, their babies, uh, crib and, and getting the, the mobile ready, Balana and Tom, uh, what you see above the, the little ships for the mobiles, a few of those are, are um, Lynn Norton's, uh, who's the artist for, for uh, Hallmark. Those were his ships and they, repa they repainted them. Or if you remember the episode where we found out, we find out that Carrie, uh, he dies in that episode and we find out that Carrie, uh, Friendship One, and that Joe Carey loved to build little ships, and he has a, he has a Voyager inside a bottle. That's a Hallmark ornament. So um, you know, and like when and in Voyager, when uh, when um, the episode Scorpion, where where Kess is having those visions of the, the Borg being killed in piles by yeah. Species Eight Four Seven Two, those are Playmates action figures. So I mean, they they've used toys in, in several episodes, and. Um, and that relationship actually goes all the way back to the original Star Trek. AMT, the model company, um, uh, and again, the genius and, and cost saving of the original show. Uh, Gene Roddenberry struck a deal with AMT, aluminum uh, model company, that, that they were uh, uh, did, did model ships and things like that. If they would build a life-size version of the Galileo, which is what you see in Galileo 7 and, and Star Trek. That was built by a toy company. They could have the license to do Star Trek 
model ships for free. Wow. So, I mean, there's, and you see some of the models in, in the original show. So that, that is a very long, you know, long relationship with those toys, but, but you have, um, you have uh, uh, toy companies or collectible companies like uh, Hallmark producing items all the way until the mid 2000s. Um, you know, you get things like USAopoly. You know, a lot of times with Enterprise now, it's part of like a franchise collection of some kind, right? So if it's um, like Diamond Select Toys has these little mini mates that are kind of like uh, brick toys, and they released a um, a uh, exclusive version of um, Zindi and and Archer together with one another uh, and that version was part of like a franchise because it was like it was like the cap all the captains with their main enemy so you get that a lot with Enterprise where it's kind of included along with other things but there you're still getting stuff uh, coming out like model ships and things like that and of course they have a lot of enterprise represented in the eagle moss collection so it really is a testament to the popularity of the show that it's been canceled for for 10 years and they're still making items yeah they do have some really cool ships in the eagle moss collection for sure and then it's branching out not just toys but i mean we're still getting lots of cool stuff like last year for the 50th we had those Australian like dollar coins, you know, like whatever the dollar value was, and they had Archer on one of them. Yeah, Perth Mint. They did. Uh, they did an Archer coin, uh, an Enterprise NX01 coin, mm-hmm. and uh, they were really cool. If you bought the two of them together in a set, they came with a really cool like transporter looking display yeah. box and everything. So they, yeah, I mean they they they're saying Perth Mint is still releasing uh, Star Trek coins. So I'm, I'm hopeful that they're going to, they, they did a Spock. I'm hopeful they do first officers and we'll have a T'Pol coin. Maybe, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, you get companies like Anavos has, has, uh, you know, and it has released the enterprise jacket, you know, the flight jacket. You've got La, that was in 2014. I mean, that was just a couple of years ago or La La Land has, uh, you know, released the enterprise music, um, uh, two two disc sets, I think, two different mm-hmm. sets of the music. So two I, four you know, sets, yeah, yeah, two four disc sets. So there's a lot of great stuff that's coming out from a lot of different companies. I mean, what's great about Eagle Moss is they release ships that we you wouldn't get otherwise. Like you get the the ECS Fortunate from them, you know, from that episode Fortunate Son, and uh, that's great because you just all you know you get, you get the Tholian ship from Enterprise, you know, you get the Romulan drone ship from Enterprise, and it's it's a nice scale, and you can they can do more um, ships than you might get if they were doing like big giant electronic toy ships, you know. John, this um, I've got to say, I I honestly didn't know. I mean, I've seen a little bit when I was going in certain stores and I would see some things around, but I really didn't know that much about the toys and I really didn't know what was offered. Um, but yeah, we, you, I was just thinking about it. You can't get, you get to thinking about toys, you think of action figures, but then you've got a whole other category of ships and then you've got a whole other category of role-playing. So like even for the enterprise, they had, like you said, the amazing phase pistol that also came with a communicator and did that come with a, a like one of Archer's versions of the tricorder or not? Do you know? No, they never did a, uh, unfortunately, uh, at least to my recollection, they never did that. That was sort of a two pack with uh, the communicator and the phase pistol. That would have been great had they done that. But they, I mean, they, they did do um, the tricorder for other shows. Uh, 
uh, not art asylum, but playmates. So there was some really nice, really cool uh, uh, tricorders done for the motion picture and stuff like that by playmates. For uh, Diamond Select Toys and Art Asylum, they did do uh, the phasers from the original show. They did do phaser from Star Trek II. They did do the tricorders, a lot of different kinds of tricorders from the original show. In fact, Enterprise in the episode in a mirror darkly when you see them walking around with the original series phasers because they're on the defiant um that is crossed over into the the mirror universe uh those phase the the, the phasers that you see from the original show are actually diamond select toy art asylum yep and my my son he again in that this summer he was like hey i want some of that and then we there was a store that was selling out and we we're like let's go check it out he finds one of those diamond select toss um, phasers and he bought it. And it yeah, I mean, I, I mean, they, they've done a lot of great stuff. They did, the, they did the, the the communicator from Star Trek Two. I mean, just like really neat, um, uh, which is just so clunky and you know, it's great. It's such a great item, you know, because it's kind of like it looks like it even belongs like before the original show. You know, it's just a great item, and, and uh, so lots of lots. Of, I mean, there's there's so many different things you could collect that's one of the nice things about star trek i mean if you're into something you you may have run into um you know a collectible for for enterprise that you that you like so i mean there's there, a company called oriental furniture has these five foot tall enterprise like room dividers <laughs> you know and they released that in 2012 and so like if you if you're a person who enjoys you know decorating or you want to decorate but you want to have something you could fold up and put away you know or and they're huge they're they're really great and um you know there's just so many different things that that a person could collect there's they have little Johnny lightning ships there's trading cards uh enterprises is often represented in trading cards even today with uh Rittenhouse archives who does a really great uh line of cards and especially when they do Again, franchise-themed card sets. You always get Enterprise included in there, and you can get that, you know the autographs, which is great because you know they're authentic. Um, that come with those card sets. There's there hasn't been a lot of Enterprise comic books. They, the Flox was featured in the IDW comic from July 2014, where they had the the Tricorder X Prize. You know, they did like a comic to to go along with that and, and enterprise was included in there, but now that they have the waypoint comic, you may be getting that. That would be great if they did some enterprise stories. There actually is. We've heard that it's the next issue. Uh, issue four is going to have an enterprise comic. That's awesome. That's great. Cause that, that was one thing that was sort of sad at that time when enterprise was on, there really wasn't a, a, a Star Trek comic being produced. So we really never really got like a, a nice long run of, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 issues of, 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 of Enterprise comics like we did really for every other show. All right. Well, John, Brandon, what um, what advice would you maybe give a listener that's wanting to get started on the collecting or maybe a veteran, you know, that uh, is just is looking for something really unique? Like what what's some advice that you might give? Save up by the expensive stuff. Well, I think part of it is, you know, people collect kind of based on their personality. So some, some people aren't, aren't, um, you know, completist. Some people are. And I think the, the first thing to kind of do is just recognize what kind of collector you are and, and be okay with it. You know, if you're, if you're a completist and, and, and like I am, and I have compulsions to complete, you know, I, it, it, not that I have to do it right now, but it's something that I always hope to do. And I, that's part for me, that's part of the fun. Um, to finish a collection or to, you know, 
to to do that. And it's fun to hunt with the family for items and, and finish a collection. Um, uh, so I think, you know, part of it is recognizing what kind of collector you are and also what you're interested in. There's so many different Star Trek things to collect um, that, you know, if I could go back and tell my younger self, I might say, well, you might want to focus on this or that. You know, I, I, I have a lot of items that are nice, but I don't really, you know, I have them and I, uh, you know, I don't know really why I have them anymore but except that I, I love Star Trek and I would it's like cutting off an arm so I'm not going to do that but um you know I, I I would wish I had the space for the things that I really enjoy I, mean, I really love action figures I really love I'm not you know I I love the ships um but you know you, you can get you know you can get four five six different versions of the same ship and it's sort of like well do I really need five, five six different versions of it? so part of it is I think maybe uh, zone if you know if you're just sort of starting out, figure out what kind of collector you are. Be okay with that. Zoom in on a particular kind of collectible. You want to collect autographs. You want to collect trading cards. You want to collect action figures. You want to collect a particular character across many different types of items. Um, and then in terms of where to get them, you know, a really great place uh, to get uh, um, older stuff are Star Trek conventions or toy shows or comic book shows. Um, some of the big ones like Wizard World, you're all you're gonna find lots of Star Trek toys. But sometimes you find them at your local small, you know, pay a dollar, get in comic book uh, convention. And 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 also I think uh, to have a list with you because you um, you know like one for example, I, I really love the fan sets. They're brand new. Uh, they're they're really cool pins. You know, so it's kind of retro in the sense that they're pins, but they're doing some really cool stuff like augmented reality pins. I mean, it's really, really neat. And they're doing pins of characters that's never had collectibles before. And some of them are enterprise pins. And um, I, there's, there's so many in the, the, the collection and I want to get them all. And occasionally I'll forget which one I have or don't have. You know, I think I have one I don't have. So I always tell people, too, if you can keep a, 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 a checklist on your phone. Because you never know when you're going to need it, you know. You never know, like, oh, you know, you, you go to some, you go to a Beanie Baby show for some reason, and you find out there's Star Trek collectibles there, and you wish you had your list, you know. So um, those would be just my my bits of advice. Know who you are as a collector. Figure out what it is particularly you want to collect. Keep a checklist with you, um, and uh, you know, and and make it a part of your budget so that you're, you know, you 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 don't overspend and uh, you don't feel guilty when you do spend, you know, you put away a little bit, you know, for that, you build it up and you, you have the money to spend on it for fun. My dad who was a very practical man. Always told me, uh, you know, my dad would always say, well, he'd say, Oh, that's really nice. How much that cost? You know? And, uh, and, but he, he, one of the things he told me is, you know what, you could be spending, I mean, he didn't understand it per se, but uh, he told me that, you know what, you could be spending your money on gambling or alcohol or, some I'd rather you spend your money on Star Trek toys. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a great way to spend, uh, you know, a great hobby to have and a great way to spend time with family. Yeah, that's some really good advice. My collecting, like the things that I collect, I, I collect the novels. Like I still physically buy all the Star Trek novels myself. Um, I collect the Eagle Moss ships and I, I collect the music. So I've got all the soundtracks. I mean, uh, you know, when I go to conventions, I try and get a few autographs. But I mean, the autographs to me, they're they're a little too pricey. I mean, I don't, I, I think that's a lot of money for autographs, but, uh, you know, $25 for a ship or $25 for an autograph. I think I'd rather have the ship. <laughs> and that's what the cool thing is, right? I mean, the, the, one of the great things, one of the things we talk about in the, in the talk, 
the talks is that the uh, you know if you really love star star trek ships let's say you could get like the johnny lightning line even even you know that the, the, they don't make many new ones with that but or the ego moss lines which are not that expensive or you can get qmx four thousand dollar ships so the nice thing about star trek is there there's there's stuff available for all kinds of budgets all across the spectrum of of that and so um just be like just narrowing in something like the Eagle Moss collection. That's a commitment, you know, to 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 get all of those. But but when you're focused like that, you can do that because you're you're sort you're you're putting your energy and your resources into one direction. Very good. That's great advice. The the list on your phone, that's a great advice because you're you're right. You'll you'll be places and you'll see something, and it you it won't expect, you know, that this thing was around the corner. I was at a board game shop and did not expect to turn the corner and see all this diamond select toys. You know, I did not expect it. So that's great. Advice. I was just gonna, I, I was just going to tell a similar story. I was at a comic book store and a guy said, uh, Hey, you like star Trek, don't you? And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, I got all these old playmates toys. Someone brought in, I'll give them to you for a dollar each. And I said, okay. And you know, but I didn't want to take all of them and I didn't want to be greedy but I didn't have my list with me. And one of the figures was a, a called redemption data inappropriately named figure because it has him in red and it wasn't in that episode that he was in red, but anyway, it, but, um, a, uh, he's, I think he wears, yeah, he never wears red and he still wears his yellow when he's captain of the other ship. And, and so they, but that was like a big deal, that figure, you know, and that was, that was a figure that went for, for, a hundred, two hundred dollars at one time. Yeah, I don't think you pay that now, but uh, and I bought it for a dollar, and I, you know, I I told the guy, you know, I think this figure is worth a lot more money. But in my list, I couldn't check, I couldn't confirm anything. He said ah, he didn't care. He told me everything was a dollar, and I was going to pay only a dollar, and uh, so it was really nice. So in that regard, not having my list helped me, but but I didn't know really which ones to get or which ones not to get. You you never know. I mean, some even like the books. You know, I love the books too. I. I keep a list of the books because I sometimes you forget, like, you know, especially the older ones, maybe that I don't have all of, you know, you forget that I ever buy that one. Do I have that one? And uh, having a list is really helpful. So uh, John, uh, if our listeners are looking for ideas for future gift lists, uh, how can they contact you or follow you? Uh, I'm on Facebook. If people would like, you just uh, search John Tenuto and send me a friend request. And, uh, uh, or if you'd like, you can always email me uh, through the College of Lake County where I teach. Um, and it's just uh, my my first initial, J, and my last name, Tenuto. And then it's at uh, CLC Illinois, with Illinois spelled out, dot edu. If you just go to the CLC website, College of Lake County website, you just put my name in, I'll, I'm sure I pop up some way on there. Um, Although they may not be good for recruiting. <laughs> I don't know. They scare people if they see me. But uh, that's a great way to get in touch with me. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming aboard the NX01 again. Um, yeah, this this was this was an education for me. I had no idea, like even the history or even what was coming around the corner. So thank you so much. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you guys are doing to keep uh, Enterprise out there and uh, keep talking about it. So thank you very much. Enterprise Toys is not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. So here's what else you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Warp 5. Even though we were even though we lost tons of money, we were just like we were like, "Oh, phew." 
Now we can now we can stop and think. Writer strikes are funny things. Sometimes you get season seven of twenty four, and sometimes you get shades of gray. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> Literary treks. I think one of the things in 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 total, just looking at the footage, was you feel like you're there. You're a fly in the wall. It takes you back to 1960s television production. You're behind the camera. You're watching the actors. You're there. Meta Trex. Quirk speaking spells would be highly profitable. <laughs> it's all the rage on Franginar. I, I hear it's, it's, it's next year's big Christmas gift. Last year was Tickle Me Wharf. This year it's <laughs> Quirk, Quirk speaking speak spell. spells. <laughs> And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or you can always go to our website and get the RSS link or the MP3 file. And if you're an Apple user, please hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, if you could leave us a star review and a rating, that would be great. And speaking of star rating and review... I it now it it we're we're recording this. It's already into 2017 and the review contest is officially completely over. I if you're hearing this, I have already announced the winner. I finally had the last two entries come in. They said they were coming in. They weren't showing up. They weren't showing up. They finally showed up last week. I have them in and we will read those reviews on a future show. But I have them. I've locked it down. If you're hearing this, I will will be announcing the winner on Facebook on all in all the groups, and then maybe on a future show, I may we may have to to announce it if we if the winner doesn't stick their hand up. So, but thank you so much, <laughs> thank you so much for uh, all the reviews. We had so many reviews. Now we have almost ninety reviews for Warp Five. And thank you so much, listeners. It has helped us so much. I guarantee it has helped us. We have actually moved up in lists because of your help. So thank you so much. I know. It's been great. We have like three five-star reviews out of those 90s. It's awesome. Right. Like, like a couple of people really like the show. Yeah. Well, I, it's, you know, I don't want to ask for five-star reviews, but, man, I, I will so take them. You know, I will, yeah. I will take them in buckets. And those things, they came in like crazy it was so awesome so yeah i'm gonna be giving that uh by the time you're hearing this i will have already announced the winner and i'm gonna try i'm want to give those blu-rays away so bad and one of the things i learned from this contest is that itunes reviews they are not a very reliable place to hold your data or to keep your votes going or to even capture your votes. I found out this, it's a lot better for a short term, Brendan, if you're going to use this for melodic tracks, I highly recommend you don't go big like I did and go to a whole year contest. You've got to break that thing down into like weeks or maybe a month or so because iTunes is crazy sometimes with the way they, their, their ratings in the way they, the, the iTunes store, the way it actually displays them, they get lost and then they're gone. And I wouldn't have even known they happened unless I hadn't have written them down months ago. So thank you so much listeners. I surely appreciate it. I also want to thank, uh, Mike Morrison and, he is a co-associate producer for Warp 5, and we have a new associate producer for Warp 5, Tim Cooper. Thank you so much. Uh, Mike and Tim are actually associate producers through Patreon, and if you'd like to be an associate producer or just help out Trek FM, 
you can go to patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash trekfm. And you can find out how you can get in on this and help us. Just a little bit. $1 a month helps us so much. $5 a month gets you to the patron zone and you really get into some exclusive content, some some early release content. Brandon has taken over the being the Patreon manager. And Brandon, thank you so much. It, it has been it, it just seems like it is just really growing the the patron zone. So thank you so much. Yeah, we really want to try and get something extra out there for, you know, the the people that help to support the network. We really couldn't do it without you, so we want to try and give a little back. So we're trying to get early releases. Uh, the last episode, episode 102, I think it was, uh, that I did with Amy when we talked about acquisition and the Ferengi, uh, we had that thing up there, uh, I think it was like... 10 days early or something like 10 or 11 days early uh, because we're only releasing every other week here right now with uh, Floyd and I being very busy uh, and we record both episodes in one night so I had it done edited early and I threw it up there 11 days early for you guys so uh, you know it's pretty cool and we're glad to do that we're going to try and get some exclusive content for you Earl Gray's been doing a very good job of that uh, getting some exclusive content for you guys out there so uh, just and to get access to that Simply donate at the $5 a month level or higher. Just visit patreon.com slash trek.fm, donate at the $5 a month level or higher, and you get access to Patron Zone, and there's early releases and exclusive content. It's great. That's great. 11, 10, 11 days early. That's a record. I don't know if that's ever going to get beat. That's that's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to try and get the next episode like six months early. For oh, my. You guys. <laughs> wow. So we're going to have to talk to Daniels to get that done. You know, <laughs> we'll have to, yeah, some future guy stuff to help us on that. But yeah, thank you so much, Brandon, for taking care of the editing and the publishing of Warp 5. Uh, that it's, it's really helped out so much. And also Tony Robinson for creating the very cool show art for our releases. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us at trek.fm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page or go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. And we actually had a listener, Jay Scardina, sent a Warp 5 email. So this came through on one of the uh, message buoys that we have here. We Hoshi was able to download it. And it says, I just wanted to say how much I enjoy Warp 5. There aren't many Enterprise podcasts out there that keep the fandom going for this show. I just wanted to share a couple of my favorite Enterprise moments. So he's going back to the favorite moments that we did a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that when we see the crew in the original series costumes in A Mirror Darkly, when T'Pol pulls out the Velcro purse at the end of Carbon Creek, and he says that that's definitely one of his favorite episodes. He likes when Archer gives Trip a stern talking to at the end of Cogenitor. And, spoiler for Season 4, for those of you that are uh, just going along with our retrospective, we haven't got to Season 4 yet, so spoiler for this show that hasn't been on the air for a while. <laughs> you're, if you're waiting for the Blu-rays... Okay, this is a spoiler, so you might want to pause it for a moment or fast forward or something. But when T'Pol kisses Trip before being married, off to that Vulcan guy. You got to have a little romance in there. Later, pink skins. So thank you so much. Pink skins? That's racist. (laughs) Or speciesist. Yeah, that's... Speciesist. Yeah, so Jay Scardina, I didn't realize you were Andorian. But thank you so much. I'm so glad that the signal gets this far away. Yeah. What if he's Orion and it's like now crossed cultural barriers, this pink skin insult? Oh, it's just, yeah, everybody just calls us pink skins. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jay. And again, listeners, if you want to uh, get in touch with us, you can send us an email or a voicemail would be so cool. 
You can also contact us through Twitter at TrekFM, Facebook at facebook.com slash TrekFM. And as we mentioned several times, the Babel Conference, type the Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. So that was a great talk with John about toys. I mean, I really... I really didn't know. When I say I'm a noob, I really am a noob. I did not know anything about it. All I knew was I bought that 30th anniversary toss figures and my son bought a Diamond Select uh, toss phaser that looks better than the one that Shatner had. Or at least that's what I imagine. Like, I've really looked that thing over. It's amazing looking. Noob. Yes, I definitely am. I mean, that's not something usually people say, but I really am. So don't like, I'm not really the guy to ask. That's why I, I, I'm the guy that knows who to ask. That's why I'll I practice. Have... I'll practice my Telluride insult. <laughs> Your toy collection is terrible. <laughs> Good. So Brandon, uh, if uh, listeners want to hear you say, you can only look at my figures, but don't touch. How can they reach you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Matella. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm kind of taking a social media break right now. As of the time of recording this right now, I haven't been on Facebook for about three days or Twitter or anything really. Um, so I might be hard to get a hold of, but, uh, if you add me as a friend, uh, I'll accept you and you can, you can send me a direct message on Facebook. Um, so that's a perfectly valid way to get a hold of me. Um, yeah, so... You can listen to me on Melodic Treks, which is all about the music of Star Trek. Um, we've got some new episodes of that coming out now. And uh, I guess that's probably about it, hey? Very good. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me in the Babel Conference, the Trek FM listeners page on Facebook. All right, Brandon. So, um, yeah, it looks like I need to go ahead and get my list started. And I need to go ahead and build another room on my house and hide it from my wife. You know, maybe because I don't, I don't know how that's going to go over. But I got to get. Well, my... you just need to make it like that ship on Future Tense, right? Exactly. So that your closet, when you open it up, it's actually bigger. Exactly. On the inside. Exactly. That's what. That's exactly what I was thinking of. There we go. Just don't get just get rid of the burnt human. Oh yeah, yeah that uh, that that'll just make room anyway for me. So very good. So boomers, thank you so much for listening and join us again next time for another episode of Warp Five.